Hello there, exciting times in Scottish football. Scotland against Israel, Thursday night, 48 hours away by my calculations, followed by another two big international matches. Celtic against Rangers is a week on Saturday. Massive matches in the uh, Europa League coming up, of course, the draws having been made. And those matches now not too far away. And the League Cup starts tonight. Plenty of matches on the go uh, tonight and tomorrow night as well. Rob McLean, Ali Defoy, former Hello. Celtic striker. Hello there. Simon Donnelly is here as well. Uh, limbering up for a League Cup tie with Brechin tomorrow night. Yeah, looking forward to it. Uh, first game real. We've had four or five pre-season friendlies. Uh, so shaping up not too bad, but a big game against Premiership opposition. And uh, lots of uh, protocols to go through, no doubt. Incredible, yeah. We just got, we got tested at the weekend, the full... Uh, squad got tested so everybody was negative which is a good sign obviously congratulations yeah thank you and yeah just the usual protocol no showers uh, Dundee United will get changed in the, sta- the stand behind the goal we'll use the main stand so it's Crazy times. Yeah, I was going to have a word with you about the no showers, actually. If you can just stay over there, that <laughs> yeah, would be... <laughs> yeah, it wasn't great at the weekend. We played Wraith at the weekend and it was pelting down. So everybody had to drive. Well, I was driving two and a half hours back. You're soaking wet. It's not ideal, but we just have to follow suit. And to make sure you don't get yeah. cold with everything that's going uh, on. It's not it's great for the players. Now. The players have to come off. And as I say, that was the first time we experienced it. We've been lucky with the weather, uh, considering what time of the year it's at. But uh, Saturday was pretty pretty wet. Listen, you just look after yourself, okay? It's, yeah. it's important. <laughs> um, and of course, in the background, are the talks continuing between the Scottish Football Authorities and the Scottish Government about what happens, what sort of help is going to be available, lots of murmurings about financial assistance, uh, nothing definite in the way of an announcement yet. But uh, Simon, you would certainly hope so, that the Scottish Government see the, the importance and the value of, of Scottish football, while bearing in mind, of course, that it's just one of many industries, isn't it, to be looked after? Of course it is, yeah. Yeah, but it's the one that's close to our heart, you know, and uh, to be involved in it, you know, at that level as well. I see the side of breaking, you know, they rely on any sort of, you know, help at all to, to, to keep the club alive, basically. The, the game goes streaming live tomorrow night as well, so you're hoping that a few people subscribe and, uh, you know, put a little bit of money back into the club. How are things in the background at Brechin? I mean, to name just one club, your club, the club you're involved with at the moment. I mean, how fragile are things? Yeah, it's not great at all. You know, small clubs like Brechin rely on, you know, punters coming in through the gates. They've got a they've got a, a bar and that stand behind the goal. You know, the social side of it. You know, people spending money round about the games on a Saturday, and when it's so quiet like just now, it's very difficult for the clubs to generate anything. So. I think our games streamed at the weekend. It was a fiver or something, and then obviously these games against Dundee United and St Johnson are coming up. They're big games for the club, you know. And on another day, you'd have a big crowd at these games. You know, Dundee United would bring a big following. That's not to be. So you're hoping that you know fans will stream in uh, and pay a couple of quid and, and help the club out. Yeah, we had a bit of pre-match nerves in the in the studio last night because, of course, Barry Ferguson's Kelty Hearts are playing uh, St Johnston. That's a big game for them. It's a big group. Cy Ferry's yeah. Peter Heads in yeah, that group as well. So there are grudge matches yeah, all, over the sh- be, all over the shop. It's going to be. Just rename it the in- Go Football Show. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> 
Ali, have you got a note of the all the the league cup ties uh, tonight, tomorrow night? There's there's plenty, uh, there's there's plenty going on in the way of games. I mean, the likes of tonight. I mean, the Hearts Inverness and Dundee four for a two that stick out, but but quite a few other games as well. Um, it's jam packed. It's, it's funny, isn't it, how these games suddenly uh, come up? You you think they're miles away, and then suddenly they're right in front of us. What you got there? All seven forty five p.m. kickoffs tonight. So Group A, East Fife and Cowdenbeath. Hearts and Inverness, Cali Thistle. You've got Group B, Dundee and Four for Athletic. Um, Group D, Stirling Albion are both tonight. Group E, Dumbarton take on Dunfermline. And of course, we were speaking about it last night. The Falkirk-Kilmarnock match has been forfeited um, due to the Kilmarnock team having to self-isolate. So that's a 3-0 win goes to Falkirk, which they mentioned that they weren't delighted to take, obviously, with what's going on. They would have liked to play the game, but... Fortunately, that's just the way things are at the moment. Group G, Morton are taking on Queen of the South. Group H, Edinburgh City, Livingston. And finally, Group F, Albion Rovers, Air United and Annan Athletic are taking on Hamilton. So it's a big, big night today for lots of Scottish football. Plenty to watch. Yep, and uh, we'd like you to be part of the Go Radio Football Show as well. Get yourselves involved. These are the contact details. 0808 17 17 700 is the number you need to buzz. We're live all the way through until 7pm, so you can come and chat to us. Maybe you've got a question for Sid, or maybe you just want to make a point about the upcoming Scotland game that's happening on Thursday, or maybe you just want to talk about your team's transfers or lack of transfers. 87474, text GO to our number uh, and your message to that along with that. It's normal network rate, or you could drop us on the socials at Go Football Show where we put a very nice picture of Simon Donnelly last week. <laughs> yes, age 13 or something. <laughs> no. <laughs> he hasn't changed a bit. Uh, let's talk about that game then. Scotland against Israel, 48 hours away at Hamden. It's going to be a strange occasion. Uh, a game that would have uh, had a full house watching, uh, but the reality is, of course, there will be uh, nobody there. It's all going to be uh, a little bit weird, uh, but uh, Andy Robertson, the captain, has been speaking today, and he knows that even without uh, anyone in a attendance in the way of fans there's still plenty of support this is the game we need all the lads to feel that the country's behind them and I, and I believe we will we know you know we can't have 50,000 in there and making a noise and everything like that but we can feel it from home and we can feel the hopefully the positive energy going into Thursday because it's a huge game for us so um, how does that affect Scotland? I mean, Scotland hardly firing on all cylinders, you would say, in terms of performance. Four points out of six from those two Nations League qualifiers, so that's got to be good. Um, but we'd be kidding ourselves if we thought the performances were anything like top, top drawer. What does no fans Thursday night mean for Scotland, Simon? It, do it doesn't help. Uh, you know, Hampden Park, we're all familiar with the atmosphere there. Uh, I've been there as a fan myself over the years, you know, as a, as a kid watching Scotland take a, f a fair few scalps and it's always a great atmosphere, so it's, it's something totally different, but the players are at a stage now where domestically they've experienced this for a, a few few weeks, months even, and as I think we touched on last week, the performances haven't been great, but we're a wee bit further down the campaign. You know, I watched a game at the weekend where... John McGinn was fantastic for Aston Villa. You know, his form, he looks at right he's at the flying, top, top of his game. And if he can take that into the Scotland game, that's a huge boost for us. I think I think the players are three, four weeks down the line, obviously. They're getting their eye in. It's, it's the start of a season, even though we're, we're in October. Uh, and hopefully that augurs well for a, a good Scottish performance. Yeah, that midfield area is obviously going to be uh, crucial 
John McGinn couldn't be playing much better at the moment. Callum McGregor too has picked up his game, I think, with with Celtic. I don't think Celtic as a team are anywhere close to firing on all cylinders at the moment. They they got over the line just about against St Johnston in Perth at the weekend. We'll talk about that in a little while. But I think as an individual, Callum McGregor, uh, when he when he gets further forward, finds those little pockets of space, finds passes, and scores goals as well. I mean, he's he's crucial, isn't he? Yeah. And I've said this for a, a few few years now, a few seasons, that McGregor and McGinn are two of the first names on the, the 11 for me uh, for Scotland. McGregor is so consistent for Celtic. He takes that form into the Scotland games. McGinn's at the top of his game. These these two guys are the first two midfielders on the on the, the 11 for me. Were they the first two on your team sheet when you scrolled it last week? They were indeed. They were indeed. And I'm glad to say that John McGinn's form at the weekend backed my decision up. So who, remind us remind us what your selection was because Barry Ferguson was hitting reverse furiously last night yeah. and uh, starting to change his, his selection. Although he was saying 3-0 Scotland so he was confident in that I'd, I'd be happy with that and I would take that all day. I, I, I started with Robertson on the on the left, uh, a back three of Tierney, Young Porteous and Cooper for Leeds. We kind of swithered on the right hand side. I went for Ryan Fraser. Middle oh, of the park, McGregor. Two Ryans, weren't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, McGregor, McTominay in there, and McGinn just slightly forward, and then have to go with the, the two guys that are in form. Dykes, obviously, from his last performances for Scotland, and Shanklin's back in the goals at Dundee United. Yeah, so you left out McBurney? Left out McBurney and left out Ryan Christie as well, which yeah. maybe is one that, you know, Steve Clark might look to, to bring in as well, depending on if he goes with the, the two up top. Yeah, I think I managed to talk around Saiferi last night because he had Armstrong in the midfield and then he was uh, wondering why he left Ryan Christie out and I think then he was trying to shoehorn him back in because... Yeah. Um, you Armstrong's know, a good shout as well. Yeah. I'm a, a big fan of Stuart. Uh, as I said last week, we're, we're very strong in the midfield you know, and that's that's a good thing. Obviously, we want to have a wee bit more strength in, in different areas but yeah, that, that would be my, my start in 11. We've heard from the captain, let's hear from the manager now, um, Stevie Clark. It's uh, so much pressure on him and the team to deliver and get us to that playoff final. Can Scotland beat Israel on uh, Thursday night and take a step towards ending that long run without an appearance in a major finals? Come out of the transfer window now. You've got this. You know, I've got you know some cracking games to look forward to when we come back. But you know, through this block of games from the last international, seven out of seven. You know, and um, the only blot on the copybook has been Fern Varosh, and I think it's a great response from the squad of players, and it's been absolutely fantastic. Well, that's uh, Neil Lennon. Um, we'll get back to him in a sec. But if we can hear from Stevie Clark. The uh, Scotland manager on uh, that long wait for an appearance at major finals. I think you look over the last 22 years, uh, non-qualification for all the tournaments. We have it in front of us to do. Obviously, two difficult games coming up. It's going to be tough, but the, the size of the game, listen, everyone's aware of the size of the game, the magnitude of the game. Yeah, sure is a, a massive one, and you can maybe hear it in the in the voice of Stevie Clark there the the tension he's bound to feel because uh, a lot of faith has been put in him. I think he was the man we all wanted when he was appointed, uh, Simon. But in the end, it all comes down to this, and it's not as if this ends it. This just gets us to the final if we beat Israel. But it but it's must win, isn't it? It is. It is uh, the excitement of having Scotland at another national finals. It's 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 where where we really belong, you know, you watch I was lucky enough to be at the last one with the Tartan Army there. It, it does it bring something to 
you know, our finals. Uh, and we've been so close two or three times over the years, but this is another opportunity. The, the way this tournament's set up, it gives us a chance, another chance out with, you know, the, the normal route from, from the groups. So it's a vital game, but as you quite rightly say, we, it's only the first step. You know, we've got a difficult one if we can negotiate Israel. Yeah, more to come on uh, Scotland against Israel. We're going to hear in the course of the show from Ollie McBurney and Kenny McLean as well. Two players who didn't feature in Simon Donnelly's uh, selection. Um, but Maybe they've got something to say to Simon. Well, exactly. exactly. <laughs> they might have some sort of response to being cruelly uh, left out of his lineup. But let's talk uh, about Celtic. Uh, Neil Lennon, of course, has been uh, talking about the, the new signing today on loan from AC Milan, Diego Lac. Sal, the Uruguayan international left-sided defender, that's a, an area of the team they've been looking to strengthen for a while and that seems to be a player with a, a top pedigree that they've got on board. But he was also uh, reacting to some of the reaction to that signing. Uh, lots of, uh, well, Charlie Nicholas in particular, the former Celtic striker, uh, he was very much underwhelmed by the signing and this is what Neil Lennon had to say to him. Listen, if we had assigned Messi and Ronaldo, Charlie still would have found fault with it. Just a negative bang in the drum about the club for for years. I woke up this morning absolutely delighted and I think we've come out of the window very, very strong. So Neil Lennon, obviously, whether he would have mentioned Charlie Nicholas had he not been asked the question today, I'm not so sure, but he was asked the question. That was his reaction. Uh, not, too, not too impressed. Um, because that, that, that does look, it looks to me like a, a good signing, Simon. I think so. I, I don't really know much about the lad, but he's coming with a good pedigree. He's coming for AC Milan. He's played for Uruguay. It's a position in the team where they look to strengthen. Uh, it's no real reflection on Greg Taylor because I think he's did well, you know. But it's competition. Yeah, we, we touched on it with Duffy coming in at centre back. It's good competition, and that's what Lenny wants right through his team. You know, he doesn't want everybody resting on their laurels in a certain position. So it's a good one, and you know. Another important thing, as long as well as acquiring players, they've managed to hold on to their players. You know, there was a yep. lot of speculation with Edward, and he's a top player. I know he's maybe not hit the heights yet this season as he has of last, but I'm sure that will come. Uh, so it was important that they held on to him. And then again, from a Celtic point of view, Griffiths and Rogic back at the weekend. You know, if you can get those two have been big players for Celtic in the last three or four seasons. If you get them fit, that's another. This is you strengthen your squad even more it's, it's almost like another couple of signs what do you think 0808 17 17 700 how was the transfer window for you thankfully it is shut because we've been talking about it uh, for the last few months but you make a really good point there Simon that, that players who had a big question mark hanging over them um, Iyer in terms of uh, AC Milan possibilities Ryan Christie there was talk about him departing and uh, the main man Odson Edouard well there's, there's been a lot of concern for the Celtic fans about him moving yeah. on so as you say uh, to get a good quality player in as they appear to have done and keep it everyone else on board that's got to be a big plus I think that's why he said there he woke up this morning happy yeah. though the transfer window's shut and he doesn't need to worry about that anymore he's got a, a strong squad there to work from and I'll, I'll, I'll reiterate it you know it's Griffiths coming back for me is a big one you know he's been a big player and it was unfortunate you know situations early in the season that he's found himself out of the team you know let himself down a couple of times but hopefully he bounces back he, he certainly popped up with an important goal at the weekend 
Let's hear that uh, that clip of Neil Lennon again because uh, I think uh, a lot of the negative talk really does uh, get to him. Um, and I guess his point is that there is one major blot on the landscape uh, so far this season. But other than that, Celtic are going pretty well. Come out of the transfer window now. You've got this. You know, we've got you know some cracking games to look forward to when we come back. But you know, through this block of games from the last international, seven out of seven. You know, and um, the only blot on the copybook has been Fern Varos. And I think it's a great response from the squad of players and they've been absolutely fantastic. Yeah, and a lot more to come for Celtic. They're nowhere near. I mean, Percentage-wise, Simon, where would you think Celtic are at at the moment? 60, 65. Yeah. But, as I say, seven seven wins there, as Lenny says. Uh, and we spoke about it the, the second half against Hibs. I thought they were showing a wee bit more themselves. Again, the weekend was a difficult game up at McDermott. St. Johnson actually did well. If you, you want to give them credit, you know, they almost took Celtic to a point they could have even stole it at the end just before Celtic score. But you can't argue, you know, with the results that Celtic have acquired so far. And I think we all get greedy as, as Celtic fans. We get greedy. You want the performances as well. But as long as they're picking up the points just now, the form will come. And sometimes these wins are... Uh, even more satisfying when you play badly and you score late and how many times have Celtic done that in recent seasons yeah they've popped and even this season you know I remember Ayeti the, the game at Dundee United yep. up at Tannadice yep. the keeper had five or six great saves in the game and it was petering out to look as if it was going to be drop points Ayeti pops up and similar again on Saturday at McDermott and you made the point about Lee Griffiths, that could be hugely significant. Let's hope for his sake and for Scottish football's sake that he can stay injury-free well, for now. There's the one you've just said yourself there, Rob. Scottish international setup. Yeah, He's not a million miles away from that. A, a free-flowing Lee Griffiths for me is still our best striker. And you would wonder if there is an injury or a call-off in the next couple of days. There are three internationals you, coming up. Yeah, you always think... Uh, as I say, it was good to see him on the bench last week against Hibs. It was great to see him there coming off the bench and scoring at the weekend. That will give him a huge boost. But I've you talk about banging the drum. I, I banged the drum for Lee Griffiths for long enough. You know, if he's fit, he's Scotland's best striker. So a big week of international football is upcoming. And we're going to be speaking to a man who's involved in the Northern Ireland international setup next. But uh, you may remember him better as a former Rangers and Manchester United fullback. Jimmy Nickel on the way. The Bull Radio Football Show. Let's go. Yeah, it's football chat every night of the week, five till seven, Monday to Friday. And uh, good to have you with us. Good to have your uh, positive feedback about the show. And you're listening uh, in even bigger and bigger numbers to the podcast as well. I can announce we have passed 100,000 downloads of the Go Radio Football Show <laughs> podcast. I wish I had a cheer to play. I know, exactly. <laughs> Onwards and upwards we go. Get involved in the show as well. Here's to how to do just that. Give us a call 0808 17 17 700. Jump on those socials at Go Football Show. All the podcast links are on there as well or drop us a text 87474 put go at the start of your message and we'll get that out on the show for you tonight maybe you've got a question you want to put to the team let us know let's talk to the former Manchester United Rangers Northern Ireland fullback uh, Jimmy Nicholl lots of lots of management jobs as well as manager as number two uh, with the likes of Aberdeen and Raythund and Fermland Cowden Beath loads of experience in uh, Scottish Football and currently uh, part of the Northern Ireland international setup with their new-ish uh, gaffer Ian Barraclough. Jimmy, how are you doing? Uh, good evening, Rob. I'm doing great. We're just in the hotel now, in <coughs> the hotel in the Cladden Hotel in Hollywood, 
part of Northern Ireland. Yes. So and off to was, uh, and off to Bosnia. And off to Bosnia tomorrow. Yes, we're training tomorrow morning here, and then get a flight to Bosnia, and uh, everybody's fitting well and all excited. We're naturally obsessed here, as you can imagine, with uh, Scotland against Israel on on Thursday night. How how do you view Scotland's prospects um, in this in this oh so important match? Well, it's like everything else. It's it's a bit like us. You've got to go for it. It's all you can do. I mean, we're going to Bosnia, and uh, and because it's a one-off game, it's not as though we're going over there a wee bit cautious and. If I just get a wee draw over there and we'll get them back at Windsor Park, it's I not know. like that. No. So it's all or nothing. And it's the same for um, for Stephen and Scullin. It's all or nothing. And it's so important that I, I can't imagine for for a minute that the players won't realise the importance of it. And that I know there's no crowd, what have you, no atmosphere. But the the game itself is just so important that surely the players will be highly motivated and, uh, and I hope that both countries get a result. How much do you talk with your players, Jimmy, uh, about lack of fans and lack of atmosphere and creating your own intensity in the game? Well, it depends on the circumstance, of course. You know, you know, the Scotland being home to Israel, they would have loved to have had a, a full Hamden. In our case, it's worked out all right because you know, it's a tough enough task anyway to beat the Bosnians without a, <coughs> a hostile crowd as well, you know. So we're actually quite happy, although they're getting 2,000 supporters in. Whether that makes a difference or not, I don't know. To the Bosnian players, I don't know. But uh, certainly, I'm glad it's not a full house. And uh, but in, in saying that, we just we just concentrate on, on how we're going to set our stall out. And Ian's been very positive the last few days. Everybody's fit and well. He's been very positive how we're going about it, how we're going to go about it. And uh, and like I said, it's a one-off. I can't. The prize is too big just to you know to sit back and and let them dominate. And so we're just we're just going to go for it. Stevie Clark is the man we all wanted uh, when the situation uh, fell vacant. Um, do you b- believe in him uh, to get yeah. the to get the job done? Because there's massive. I mean, we we had a look. We were heard from him earlier on, and clearly you could hear in his voice there's massive pressure uh, to get through this game uh, and get to the playoff final. Yeah, of course, I know. and it, and it's it's how you relate to the players, and, and they don't let them. They all know, so. That's half the battle. That you don't have to turn around and stress all the time the importance of them. But the players will know that, and it's it's how you go about them four or five days that you have with them before the game. Um, but Steve's record. I mean, listen, he's been in situations at club level, uh, and you'll turn around and say, "Well, maybe it's not as big as this." Well, it is. I mean, they're all they're all the same. It's because Scala haven't done anything for so long that the pressure's mounted, mounted on him. But listen, he's proved his worth in the past. He's got good players at his disposal, and I'm, I'm sure, if, I'm sure if they do a job which they're capable of doing, they'll get through this tie, all right. But then, <laughs> and then it's on to the next one because if we beat Bosnia, they'll play Ireland or Slovakia at Windsor Park. But then again, uh, you know, they could beat Israel, and then they could be facing Norway. Now we played Norway last month. Oh, jeez, I'm telling you, that is some outfit. I have never. For a long, long time, I haven't seen a team execute that four-four-two system as effective as what Norway did. Really, really good. So, but as first things first, it's just getting getting uh, past Israel and then a few some Norwegians. I would, I would yeah, imagine. we're definitely taking one crisis at a time, Jimmy. <laughs> <laughs> just go over Israel. Yeah. yeah. 
Jimmy, yeah. it's, Jimmy, it's Simon Donnelly here. How are you doing? You okay? Hi, Simon. How are you doing? Hi, great. Did you Aye. play with Tommy Johnson? Sorry? Was Tommy? You didn't play with Tommy I played with Tommy, yeah. Yeah, I played with Tommy. Is Tommy? Yes. Aye, Tommy's with us here, so yeah. Is he? Right, okay. Is he entertainment's officer? No, that's you, isn't it? Social convener. No, 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 we're... But he's doing all right. He's catching me up in that department. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Tell him I said hello. I'm j- it's just inter- it's interesting how you st- you look at it there. Obviously, Scotland not having any fans, but you guys maybe looking as that as a, a an advantage over in Bosnia. But it's quite you're quite right the way you're approaching. I think these games for Northern Ireland and Scotland they are they're, they're a one off, and it's refreshing to to hear you actually saying that you're going to go for it there. You know because. I think that's the the way to go about these ties. Well, in our case, Simon, I don't know what it applies to Scotland, but in our case, all we do is just show the boys the evidence. Yeah, and that's what we've done the last two or three days, just to turn around and say to them, "Don't don't have any fears." Listen, we we went to Bosnia a big two 0 but it should have been two 0 up yeah. the last time we were over a couple of years ago. But great opportunities. So all we do, and and the good work that Ian and Os McPhee do with the match analysis. And young Jack, and they just clip all these things. And, and I'm, I must admit, I'm sitting at these meetings. I'm thinking, geez, I, can, I can't see these boys feeling. If yeah. they take all this on board, they must be feeling great because we're showing them this, this is what you did against Holland. And you were 1 0 up with 15 minutes to go. Yeah. Uh, I think it was 10 minutes, and all right, we got beat 3 1, but didn't. And then Germany, and this is what you did against the Germans. You did this against Germany, you did this against Holland, you did this against Bosnia last time. You know, so don't be reading fear in this situation. No. no against it's... Norway. But, well, we did that against Norway. And any time, and important games before against Switzerland in the playoff, was set back at Windsor Park, was set off them. And we said, we can't do that. That's not like us. That's not like us. And we just, right from the start, we've just got to go for it. And, and that's what he, he intends to do. Yeah, well, I wish you well because, as I say, you you guys have been at a few finals in recent times ahead of us, but we've certainly been waiting a long enough time. So hopefully, both countries get good results. Well, that's also saying you're right because uh, this it happened to us in the Euros. Yeah, first game against Poland and yep. the froze. Yeah, and then the next one, to be fair, it we've never had two bad ones. We've always had a reaction after a bad one. So after the bad one against Norway. We're hoping for a reaction, which I think we'll get in Bosnia. Jimmy, it's Ali here. How different? Hi, Hiya. How different is the setup from when you were playing international football to now <laughs> the sort of preparation and everything? It's obviously very, very different. Do you oh, wish you had some um, of it? Ali, yes, you're not kidding. Because I'll tell you what, I remember the first the first time Michael O'Neill invited me into the uh, Northern Ireland setup was uh, in February 2015, and we played Scotland at Hamden. And I was a cotton beef, and on the uh, Tuesday night before the game, so I went and took the uh, train to cotton beef, and I went to the hotel, the uh, Dalmahoy, mm-hmm. and um, we, Michael said there was a meeting at uh, half nine, staff meeting half nine, and uh, I goes up to the staff room where the meeting was, and uh, and all I did was I just grabbed my wee. A wee bit of pen and paper, a wee bit of pencil and paper from, you know, the wee bit of paper you get beside your hotel phone? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I grabbed that with a pencil and I walked in and the, the, they all walked in with two laptops each. <laughs> 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 and I quickly put that wee notepad away. I thought, what the hell's going on here? And it, it was really well done. 
everybody, the physios, the doctors, the sports science people, the football people. And I thought, look at the information these people are getting, the lads are getting. You know, because in my day, you're asking about the difference. I mean, with Billy Bingham, if we played Albania away, I would say to Billy, what's your side left like? He says, you'll soon find out. I might just, <laughs> <laughs> just, just get on with it. We didn't have people going to the, the scout and what have you and with no match analysis and and, and actually just got on with it. So it's totally different, but I must admit, I, I really do. I, I, I love what's happening. And even, even senior players, even players that have had loads of games, I've seen them go to, the, you know, they have it on the loop in the dressing room, mm-hmm. all the free kicks in the organisation. I've seen senior players go and have a look at this just before they go out, just to refresh them and what their position and whether, who they're picking up and also. It's, uh, certainly, we get a benefit out of it. Are players anyway. are players too too pampered, <coughs> Jimmy? No, no, that, that's not pampering. The, the only the only way they might be pampered, in my opinion, is is this you know match day two stuff. You know what I mean? If you play on a Saturday, you don't train on a Monday. I mean, I could never get my head around that. And and that that's the only thing I think I have more problem with the sports science people than the match analysis people because I think the match analysis is great. Because if, if you're wrong, what you say on a Saturday and you see it, you can apologise to the player and the vice versa, the player can come to you and after seeing it. So, but with the sports science, you just feel as though, God, you're in their hands. It's preparation more so than yeah. pampering, you maybe. Know, yeah, yeah the, the, the preparation is different, as you know, because because of that. I mean, they'll tell you just, you know, just give them 30 minutes on a Monday or something. And, and, and the player, and even if the player was, can I not train? I would, no, no, maybe half an hour and that will do you. So where, where do you draw the line, you know? So that's the only thing I find frustrating uh, when it comes here. Because if we meet on a Sunday night, and we're playing on a Thursday, for example, uh, the morning night, you know, you have players chilling until Wednesday morning. Some of them, you know, fortunately enough, um, I've done that in the past, fortunately today with 20, with 22 or 23 training, you know, we were still waiting for one tomorrow. But all them these things are different because... We used to play on a Saturday, meeting on Sunday, train double, double morning afternoon on Monday, double on a Tuesday, do our organisation Wednesday morning and play on a Wednesday night. Uh, it's, not, it's not like the old days. <laughs> no, no, I'm, I'm not hard. No, I'm just saying they, they're capable of doing it, in my opinion. But they're still, it's not being molly cuddled, it's looking after them, but it's really me that, you know, not a hate. It just you got me in a rant on it. <laughs> I guess the but good news Ali is... Brought it up. Ali Sorry. Brought it up. It's your fault. <laughs> My bad. Yeah. But the good news is you'll be allowed to shower after the game, which unfortunately Sid is not and his players aren't after their game tomorrow night. <laughs> unfortunately. Well, that's true because we're staying in Bosnia tomorrow night. So we'll stay in Bosnia after... <clears> Thursday night, we'll stay in Bosnia after the game of fly back Friday and then we'll get Austria. And then we have to go to Norway. So we play Norway so we can see how we get on that. Yeah, game. good luck with that one. Um, yeah, I know. <laughs> Jimmy, Jimmy, <laughs> Ra- Rangers have a place in your heart. Clearly, how how are you viewing uh, their progress so far this season and their chances of doing what they want to do so badly this season and stopping Celtic? Yeah, I've seen I've seen them a few times, and um, I get really excited. I really did. I mean, I, I, I've seen them at Ibrox behind closed doors against Motherwell. I beat them four 0 and I really enjoyed them. So that. And Motherwell were no mugs, and you, know, no. you think they're hard to, but they did. 
They were all over them, and I thought, this is going to be good. And the results since, and then all of a sudden, you might get a wee, a wee setback. But listen, it doesn't matter. They're clean sheets. That's a big thing. And their clean sheets are helping them to win games. Even when they're not brilliant, they've got clean sheets to help them win 1 0 or 2 0. And the, the Galatasaray one was, was excellent, you know. So it's all gearing up nicely, Rob, for um, whenever we come back. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about pressure on Stevie Clark. Well, there's there's big pressure on Stephen Gerrard, isn't there? After two seasons without any silverware, um, and it's and it's all about stopping Celtic, but making good progress. But I guess his concern is is you know the, their best performances in the last couple of years have been in Europe. There've been some really yeah. good European performances recently as well as you say Galatasaray. But can they bring that sort of performance, that level of excellence, into their domestic regime? Well, they have to. It's as simple as that. I mean, they're talking about the circumstances with stopping Celtic, which is right. So the pressure's on every single game because if it just... God, if you drop points at all, all of a sudden it's a crisis. It is an absolute crisis because of the situation uh, with stopping Celtic. So they can't, they've got, the pressure must be absolutely horrific every single game for them. Can they, um, can they reproduce what they, what they did in Europe? They have to. They have to. The thing about that is, you know, disrespect the other team, but, you know, if two or three of them are off the boil, can eight or nine of them still win a game of football? Well, if you're keeping clean sheets, you'll get a wee chance. You know, but when it comes to playing Saudi, they can't afford two or three to be off the boil. They need everybody fully focused and fully hard for, for, for them sort of games. It's going to be some game a week on Saturday. It's going to be great, honestly. Great. So, but I was the same when it um, they beat Celtic 1-0 December 29th remember yeah, that one yeah. and I thought well that, that's it they're going to that's going to be uh, that's, that's a turning point yeah they're we thought that to, tilted to, the balance didn't we at that stage yeah yeah and I thought go on I was really go on this could, this could be it it could happen this year well if nothing else it's going to be close and that's all you're, you're hoping for let's make it a bit closer and give Celtic something to worry about and after that result and performance I thought that's it you know, I was really enjoying them. I threw them in the middle of the park and the movement and the goals. But it didn't happen after the break. It didn't happen, so still no reason for it. Do you think it'll go it to the wire happen. this time, Jimmy? Yeah, I definitely do. Uh, honestly. I think it will because there's so much at stake every game, like you say, that, um, and not, not so much sad, but no, there's so much at stake all the time, but I think Rangers are just looking so much better, so do. Good man, good to talk to you and uh, good luck, Jimmy. Uh, on, thir- so, so. on Thursday night in Bosnia let's, um, let's hope for Northern Ireland and for Scotland on Thursday night and, uh, and a wee double and let's hope you're right <laughs> ok good morning all, all the best, best. take care of yourself Good luck, Jimmy. thanks very much brilliant see you Simon see you Alec that's Jimmy Nickel on the Go Radio Football Show the Go Radio Football Show Ali Defoy, Rob McLean and Simon Donnelly the former Celtic star on the Go Radio Football Show good chat there with uh, Jimmy Nicholl, uh, he was great, wasn't he? Never quite know where it's going to go with uh, Jimmy, um, but that was uh, really good from him. Hard to believe that that uh, Celtic Rangers match, first old firm game of the season, is so close. It's a week on Saturday, it's the first game back after the international break to game, a fixture that Simon Donnelly knows all about. Favourite memories of the old firm fixture, Simon? Eh, favourite memories, the obvious one, we, we managed to beat Rangers 5-1 at Celtic Park, uh, Lubo Moravchik, his first game. Remember it well, Scored yeah. Scored two that night and that's probably the most memorable. 
Although we didn't win the league that year, that was the, the year Rangers won it back. Uh, we had a 2-0 the year we did win it when Burley and Lambert scored. They were memorable goals as well. So some good memories, but difficult games. What was it like standing in the tunnel before one of those games? What were you like? I, I loved it. I loved it. I made my debut uh, at Ibrox uh, and played up top myself at 19. And Wow. So it's weird. I actually loved playing it. I didn't feel any great nerves. I, I just enjoyed the game. And we were unlucky that day. I think we were 1-0 with John Collins, the free kick. It was the, the game with no Celtic fans. John Collins scored the free kick and I believe Mikhail Achenko scored late on in the second half to equalise for Rangers. But you must have seen all different types of uh, reaction to what the old firm match meant to, to players. There'd been players thrown up beforehand and all, and all the rest of it, I'd imagine. Yeah, you're in a dressing room. Everybody deals with it differently. Like Sir Peter Grant was always very vociferous. Paul McStay, not so much. He would, he would just kind of lead by example, quite calm. Uh, John Collins, the same. Uh, I remember the Canio chasing, was it Ian Fergus up the tunnel at Celtic Park one time? <laughs> yeah. uh, he wasn't as quiet as calm. But no, great games. They, they, they were the ones you wanted to play. And them and, and European nights are the ones that always stick in the memory. Glasgow's own Go Radio. This is the football show. And here's how you get in touch. Give us a text 87474. Put go at the start of your message if you want to do it that way. Or the socials at Go Football Show. Or even better, give us a call. Just like Paul's done. 0808 17 17 700. Yeah, Paul from Bishop Briggs. Hi, Paul. Hi guys, how you doing? Love the show. Uh, thanks Paul. Cheers, Paul. Uh, what would you like to say? Uh, uh, Simon, I was a big fan of yours as a kid. I remember being quite gutted actually when you were leaving Celtic. I was wondering, is there anything that could have convinced you to stay? I know you were looking for a new challenge at the time perhaps, but could you have been convinced to stay? And I was also curious, was there any other teams that you nearly signed for out with Sheffield Wednesday? Uh, anything to convince I think once I'd made my mind up that, that year, you know, you know that that was I was going had the opportunity to go to the English Premiership. I'd been in the the Celtic first team for best part of five and a half seasons, and alongside my my teammate and friend Phil O'Donnell, we decided you know we were going to go and give it a a go. Uh, I believe at the time I think West Ham showed an interest in Phil, and again I was told I don't know what truth in it, but Walter Smith was at Everton at the time, and that. Had been a name that had been linked with myself, uh, but once we kind of realised Sheffield Wednesday were interested, one hundred percent, and we went down and spoke to Danny Wilson, the manager at the time. Uh, we decided to go there. Does that was answer that your question, big, Paul? Yeah, yeah. Was that a big uh, factor in your decision? The fact that you, that you would be going with Phil, that you went to Sheffield Wednesday. I think it did help. It did help because it was a big move. I, I'd have been twenty-four at the time. Uh, Phil had a young family, had a couple of kids at the time, married. I had my fiance, so we were going down as a kind of four. He had his, his young family. But it definitely helped uh, me settle. This was something new, going to a, a new country, albeit it was only England, but it was still four hours down the road. You're in a new environment, away from Glasgow. That was something that I quite enjoyed, to be honest, you know, because again, growing up in Glasgow in the Goldfish Bowl of being a Celtic or Rangers player, uh, it, it, it can get to you at times, it can be a lot, but you go down there and, and nobody really recognise you, you had the comfort of, you know, popping to a restaurant for something to eat and nobody really bothers with you because it's it's just not the same as the intensity at Celtic and Rangers. That was something that I, I quite enjoyed when I went down there, but 
for me, without being too disrespectful to, to anybody at the club, it certainly wasn't a... I never played at that level again after my, my time at Celtic. Uh, I played with some fabulous players at Celtic over the years and unfortunately for me, I never, I never experienced that again after moving away. It's a big decision, isn't it? And sometimes it's not your decision, uh, the leaving of Rangers and Celtic, because some players move on and kick on uh, to bigger and better. And for others, it's the, the start of a, a slow, lingering fall from grace, isn't it? And, and that can be difficult to deal with. Yeah, I mean, listen, I've had this question directed to me numerous times over the years. I'm 45 now, and do you regret it? Do you regret it? I, I look back in a positive way. I'd I, I wasn't even meaning you specifically, Aye. Simon. I no, was meaning I that, that, that general. Because for, for some guys, I, I guess, it, it leads to really serious issues, doesn't yeah. it? You know, the fact that you've been, you know, at one of the, the biggest clubs in the land, and then, and then suddenly you're you're teetering down the way. Yeah, I, I understand, and I, I know you're no directing it solely at myself, but I think for me, I, I look back and a great sense of I had seven years at Celtic you know and I, I, I had a dream come true I became a professional footballer I did six months at Queen's Park but I get, I get in the Celtic team after a year and a half and managed to hold my own for five five and a half seasons I won the league there you know I, I look back in my time with a lot of pride at 24 would I tell my 24 year old self to do it <laughs> differently nowadays maybe I would maybe I would but why live, you know, your life regretting stuff? You know, I've experienced a lot of good stuff down at Sheffield as well, and at the other clubs that I played. Played that it's just it's just one of these things in football. And I guess if you hadn't gone, you might always be thinking in the back of your head, oh, I should have gone. I wish I'd gone. You might always have well, that. Was, what it, if it was the English Premiership? It was a big. It's a big league, you know. And again, looking back, and I don't. I loved my time at Sheffield, but they were they were a they were a club at the bottom end of the table. And to go from a team that are dominating every week into a team that are not, I found it difficult, you know, to make that transition. Uh, as I say, it's not a slight on the club; it's just that's just a fact. Yeah. Paul, thanks for your call. Pleasure. Thanks, guys. All the best. Cheers. It's oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. If you want to do the same. Uh, breaking news in the last hour or so that James Forrest of Celtic has a stress fracture of his ankle. It was thought to be bone bruising initially, and he'll be out for up to a further six weeks. Uh, Neil Lennon has said uh, today the Scotland we are sidelined since coming off in the first half of Celtic's win in Riga, uh, as well as missing Scotland's uh, matches coming out. He sits out the opening old firm game of the season, obviously, and two Europa League ties as well. Um, it's remarkable, said Neil Lennon, that he played with that for a few games uh, as well, but obviously it got to the point where it was impossible. We first thought it didn't show up um, on a scan, but he had a CT and it showed a slight stress fracture. It's going to take a week or two to settle down. Uh, then obviously he has to rehab, but the prognosis uh, of the timeout will still be the same. It's roughly four to six weeks, says Neil Lennon. So he's going to be a big miss, isn't he? Yeah, he's a big player. He's been a big player over the last few seasons. Uh, part of Celtic's success, like I said before, popping up with big goals and big games and assists as well. You know, his stats are second to none. Uh, but you would like to think they've got a strong enough squad there to deal with the four, four to six weeks if they're going to miss James Forrest. Frimpong's been playing on that right-hand side. Uh, so, yeah, it's, as much as it's a miss, I think... It's the only downside out of the, the squad at the moment. I think the rest of it's 
looking pretty strong for me it's a big miss for Scotland as well because yeah. I think just automatically you would slot him into that right wing back yeah, position I agree with you, agree with you. And, and did well against Israel before again just has the habit of uh, performing in the big game it's a good a good habit to have so I would agree with you there Scotland will miss him as well just a chance um, with you, Simon, to, to look back. I, I know that they're, they're appearing like history at the moment, but it is only 48 hours ago that Celtic and Rangers were playing. Um, and it's a chance to just reflect with you on the Premiership results at the weekend. Uh, three games on, on Friday night. Aberdeen won, Livingston won, and Hibs won despite that Hamilton Ackies uh, comeback. And of course, on Sunday, Celtic winners 2-0 in Perth. Rangers beat Ross County 2-0. I, I think neither of those two teams on on top form at all but um, it's just about keeping on winning and of course those games came off the back of massive efforts from both in the Europa League Yeah and it's not always easy to bounce back domestically after European nights a lot of pressure on both clubs to get through to the the, the league uh, so yeah I think they would just tick that box as, as job done Celtic I watched parts of the game again found it tough to get into their rhythm but popped up with the goals, you know, at the death, a crucial three points. Rangers pick up another three points. And as Jimmy Nicholl touched on it earlier on, that's I've been over this course before. It's it's no great. You know, the, the pressure on you, you're immediately looking for the other club. What did they do today? Or in uh, Rangers' case, they would have seen Celtic would have picked up the late win. Uh, and it's going to be like that most of the season, I think. I think New Lennon expects things to settle down from here. He's desperately hoping that the closing of the window means that the likes of Odson Edouard can get back concentrating on what he does best again. Well, you hope for that. You know, Celtic point of view, you hope from for, for them to find a wee bit of rhythm. I know we're getting to the international break here, but then Celtic last year before the turn of the year found a bit of rhythm. Uh, then Rangers came back towards the, the turn of the year and then Celtic kind of ran away towards before lockdown. Uh, hit a right turn of form from January onwards so Lenny will be looking for something like that to happen you know to the team to start clicking again uh, and hopefully that will that will be the case for Celtic you know once we get through this international break What did you make about that decision to leave Scott Brown out of the the starting lineup because it seems as if well you, you would have seen more of it than I did I think but but it, when he came on um, that kind of got grabbed Celtic by the scruff of the neck and probably dragged them over the line in that game it was a, it was a bit of a strange one for me that if you were going to rest Scott Brown at some stage in the first chunk of the season uh, it wouldn't necessarily be the last game going into a two week break would it? Yeah but again maybe Turn Turnbull for me did well the week before when he came on maybe to give him the start uh, and freshen up a little bit. Scott will admit himself he's, he's he's no spring chicken. He's super fit, but he, I think managing his legs this year will be something that Lenny will need to do. The, the staff behind him uh, to get the best out of him. But again, the, the captain playing a captain's role, coming off the bench, uh, affecting the game immediately, and 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 taking them over the line to get the three points. And just before the break, your thoughts as well on the Rangers captain. What a season he is having so far. James Tavernier, eight goals in eight games, and I think beginning to exude really great leadership qualities as well. And I think getting the confidence with it as well. Mm. You know, uh, Tavernier for me, always attacking-wise, has been fantastic. You know, I think a few years back... When he hit a real bit of form, but you can't you can't argue with eight goals in, in eight games and, and leading the leading by example more than anything else for Rangers. Uh but I think it comes with confidence, you know, and, and game after game and he's he's playing at the top of his form. 
News to come, get involved in the Go Radio Football Show 0808 17 17 700. The Go Radio Football Show. The transfer window finally closed. It seems to have been open forever. It has been open for the last few months and some frantic activity in the final few hours as well with both Rangers and Celtic making significant signings. Uruguayan Diego Laxalt has joined Celtic on loan from AC Milan. He's going to play left side, a left back or a left winger and presumably threatening Greg Taylor's position in the team. As for Rangers, they have signed Bonjani Zungu, South African attacking midfielder uh, from Amiens, the French team on loan, with an option to buy at the end of that. And the injury news we brought you a short time ago, which was that uh, James Forrest could be out for up to six weeks for Celtic with a stress fracture to his ankle. Lots of top football uh, coming up. League Cup ties tonight and tomorrow night, of course. Uh, Simon Donnelly with us in the studio. Rob McLean and Ali Defoy here. Simon here as well. And his Brechin team at home to Dundee United tomorrow night. Hearts against Inverness coming up tonight. Dundee against four for just two of those League Cup ties. We've got Scotland, Israel uh, on Thursday. We've got those Europa League ties not too far round the corner. And we've got an old firm match a week on Saturday. It really is a fascinating time in Scottish football. Let's talk to the former Dundee United manager, Peter Houston, who at the moment is part of the Scotland coaching setup with the under 21 team uh, who play at Tynecastle on Friday night. Hi, Peter. Hi, Rob. How are you? Very well, thanks yourself. How are things in the under 21 yeah. camp? Yeah, well, well, only half an hour ago we finished the training session. Obviously, we started later because we had to be, all the players and everybody in the, the staff had to be COVID tested and we had to wait on the results because players coming from another country had to quarantine, obviously, because of the restrictions just now. So we got the all clear, everybody okay. And we trained uh, today for the first time together. We had a small squad training yesterday, Rob. And it was good, it was good to get all the players on the pitch and looking forward to a game on Friday night. It's just scary what what you have to go through, isn't it? Even apart from the the trying to win a football match. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's very much so. You know, even like say, for example, Fraser Hornby, who's now at Stade Reims in France, trying to get a flight into to Edinburgh was not that easy. And the first thing he has to do is get into a room and stay in his room, and food be taken to him rather than him mixing with the boys. You know, and it happened with English lads as well. The boys who are coming up to the England show. It's one of these things that we have to live with just now, and hopefully. We really, hopefully, we want to get all this away and that we can get back to normal as soon as possible. Although, it doesn't look like it's going to happen anytime soon. No, exactly. Um, so we're looking for big success for the senior side this week uh, and we're looking for signs of hope and results as well from the from the Scotland under-21s. That was a, that was a good win in uh, Lithuania last time out when Alan Campbell got the only goal. Yeah, it was very good. You know, going to Lithuania was difficult. Uh, you know, we've had... Quite a decent campaign. The thing is, we're four points off the league, but we have a game in hand over the Czech Republic, who we, who we play. But we went over to Croatia, which they were a really talented team, Rob, and we beat them over there. We're through 0-0 the Czech Republic. But the disappointing results was we lost 1-0 at home to Greece with our last-minute penalty. And it's one of these, Aram, the ball hit the Aram rather than, you know, uh, our player putting, a, you know, Daniel Harvey was who put his arm out. It didn't put his arm out, but it hit him. And the laws of the game say that's a penalty kick. So we felt a wee bit of an injustice there. And in the same double header, we drew nil nil at Lithuania. We battered them. We just couldn't get the goal that we got as a three points, you know. So we could be sitting a lot tidier and a lot 
higher in the league and in actual fact they could be top of the league, you know. So the, the, this double header against the Czech Republic on Friday night and San Marino on the Tuesday night is, uh, is if we could win both the games, it puts us in with a right good shout of maybe qualifying. We talk on this show, Peter, constantly about the benefits or otherwise the drawbacks of uh, of no fans in the ground. And and there's a classic case, isn't there, on Friday at Tynecastle. What what a venue that would have been to have got a good crowd in, got some atmosphere, got some noise and really helped the lads against the Czech Republic. And they have done in the past, Rob. You know, the thing about uh, Tynecastle, we've played a couple of home games there and you actually get a good turnout from the, the, the Hearts fans and, and fans of local, you know, even... I'm sure there's Hibernian fans there as well because it's in Edinburgh. It's a great stadium. You know, the opposition, the only thing is the opposition enjoy playing in that uh, arena as well because it's a terrific pitch. It's quite tight with regards to width-wise, but it it suits our game, you know. And we've had some good performances there and and obviously disappointment at losing at home to to Greece with a last-minute penalty, as I said earlier. Uh, was one disappointment, you know, but it's 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 a tough uh, league we're in to qualify, but it's a terrific venue to play your home matches, and I think it gives the opposition a bit of a lift coming to, to Tynecastle because the, the stadium's in terrific uh, nick just now, so one of these things we just have to make sure that we do our business on the pitch. And then the sad thing just now is we've got a lot of players missing, you know, Billy Gilmore's and, and, and Ryan Porches is obviously out, but we just have to go on with it and it's a new opportunity for some of the younger players to step up to the mark and see if they can handle under-21 football. Yeah, I mean, you, you've got some big players missing, but but what what a midfield what a midfield selection you've got with uh, yeah. Ferguson and McCrory from, from Aberdeen, Campbell and Campbell of Motherwell, Turnbull of Celtic. Yeah, and it's difficult if uh, and all four of them, you know, because all four are playing in really good form. I was up at Aberdeen on Friday night to watch that game and both the sit and hold midfield players were, was Lewis and Ross. You know, and Ross has had a new lease of life up there. Alan Campbell is a and for me is a eight and nine out of ten every single week for no very, very good player, terrific young player. And David Turner. Ah. Ah, we seem to have lost Peter. Well, maybe uh, we'll maybe try and uh, get Peter back on. I'm not sure if we can if he can still hear us, but that, that the line was going, going, gone there. But uh, he was in the midst, Simon, of talking about uh, that that pool of talent in the midfield. That is scary. And and as Peter says, that I named four of them. They are four outstanding midfield players, yeah. and and you you struggle to fit them in. Yeah, and again, it's another strong area of the, of the Scottish team. You know, at the senior level as well, midfielders. Uh, and I was actually going to ask Peter there because obviously Portis has moved up and I was just to see in his opinion, you know, who would be the next ones for these guys because these guys are talented. You know, Lewis Ferguson's been around for the last couple of seasons, did really well. Uh, McCrory's did well. Turnbull's now got his move to Celtic. It'll be interesting to see who makes the push out of these guys to the, the seniors. Yeah, I mean, he's he's disappointed, obviously, from an under-21s point of view when you lose a big player I know, he, squad, he, 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 he described that there as Portis, <laughs> we've lost them, but it's promotion to the, the senior team, but I, I get it, you know, they're trying to build a team uh, under-21s as well, but it reflects well on, on them, you know, if, if, if boys are leaving that, that team to get into the, the, the first team. Yeah, and, and I think the fitness of, of Scott McKenna is being assessed at the moment in terms of the senior squad because obviously he didn't play because he was injured, didn't play for Nottingham Forest at the weekend and so there was an obvious doubt. I'm not sure uh, whether we've got an outcome on that as yet but uh, Scott McKenna, the fact that Scott McKenna is doubtful and might be out of the squad will probably mean, and he might have played anyway but but he would certainly play I think in the absence of McKenna. 
Yeah, I think so. He started the season well. He's 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 got himself in there on merit. You know, he's not there to make the numbers up. So why not? You know, I think he started well. He looks the part. He's a young, uh, and hopefully the future of of Scotland. You know, at centre back. Well, hopefully we've got Peter back now. Um, and we're just talking about Ryan Porteous there, and, and obviously it's a blow for you for the under twenty ones, Peter, yeah. to lose him. But it's the natural progression. I mean, is he ready? Is he ready to slot right in there for Scotland senior side on Thursday night? Well, firstly, first and foremost, he would have been suspended for our first of match, of course, anyway, yes. But it yes. still makes it okay for him to play. But for me, I think he's uh, he's been very, very consistent with Hibs. I've watched Hibs a number of times this season, Rob. And he's been very, very good for him, very consistent. You know, so he's a wholehearted player. He's very aggressive in the air. He's strong in the tackle as well. He's improving on the ball. You know, so for me, Ryan's get, uh, he's made significant progress over the last year or two playing first team football for him. So for me, yeah, I would say definitely yes. Why not? Because you have to have an opportunity at some stage. Scott McKenna got to Aberdeen. I just heard you guys talk about Scott McKenna there. Yeah. And, and for me, why not give him the chance and give him the opportunity if he's, if he's uh, fit and able to go? Do you think he's reined himself in a bit this season in terms of his style? Because obviously he was, he was picking up injuries, yellow cards, red cards as well, by be, maybe being a little bit impulsive at times, a little bit over-enthusiastic. Do you think he's maybe withdrawn a little bit? I mean, he's still obviously a, a tough player and a hard player and, and that, that is his game. But, but do you think he's compromised a little? I would like to think so. And there he went again. I think it's the reception. I'm not sure quite where he is, but I know absolutely. I'm in the. You can hear us, Peter. Yeah, I think you're back, Peter. You guys, you You can hear us. We just can't hear you. I, I, I could hear you no bother, sorry about that. I'm actually in my hotel room, but I've went out to the balcony, so if there's any background noisy cars, then please don't blame me. Oh, bless uh, you, that's very if kind. You, if you need any help with your phone bill, we'll obviously cough up. Oh, we'll <laughs> don't make worry about that. As I was saying about um, Ryan Porteous, you know, he's, he's getting more experience, he's developing further as a player, and I think what he's got to learn is when he's timing and he's tackled sometimes, he's got to be... Yeah, he's got to be strong, he's got to be brave, but you you sometimes just got to temper it a wee bit by uh, making sure that you're going at the right times to win the ball and don't go in for balls that, you know, you're maybe 40, 60 against you. But experience brings that, and I think Ryan has improved that way, and I'm sure he'll, he'll improve further. We know, obviously, some of the players we've been talking about, we know well they're established um, Scottish uh, F- SPFL players, so we know all about them. Who in the squad uh, might take us a little bit by surprise? Talented players who are maybe playing elsewhere, playing in England, Peter, that we don't know so much about? Well, one of the players you don't know much about, and in fact, I didn't know an awful lot about him, but I've been watching him train over the last couple of days, a lad called Harrison Ashby, who's at West Ham. Now, I always think that David Moyes has, has got a great eye for a player in many ways, and I know David personally very well. And he, as soon as he seen Harrison Ashby, he got him into training with the West Ham first team and indeed gave him a, 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 his debut for West Ham first team. He's a young lad who can play right back, he can play one on in the right side as well. And we're very, very well off in that side because we've got Nathan Patterson as well, who for me, as a player who's going to eventually, you know, get into the Rangers first team as well. You know, I think James Tavernier, uh, which is a problem just now, because James Tavernier is probably in really good form for Rangers. But Nathan Parsons a very, very talented young player as well. So on the right side, Harrison Ashby and Nathan Parsons are, are, are two lads who've got a, an opportunity to, um, you know, get regular first team football. And, and David Moyes already gave Harrison his opportunity in the first team at West Ham. So no doubt he'll be keeping his eye on him and making sure that he's, he's good enough and, and I think he's good enough for the first, my first impression of him 
is to get in the West Ham first team as well. You know, so there is some young talented. You know, the boys that you mentioned in the middle of the park. Uh, but we've got to, uh, Tom McIntyre, who's a, a young left centre back as well, who's been at Reading. He's a, a talented young player too. You know, so he's having to fight to get into the, his first team as well. You know, so we've got some young, good young players, and it's, it's just about them getting that opportunity to to play. And they'll certainly get an opportunity this fall under twenty ones. You mentioned Nathan Patterson at Rangers. Uh, Greg Middleton is one who, who made a big impact, didn't he? Even yep. some of the some of the European ties for Rangers last season. He seems to have faded out of the picture. Is is that just a little lull before he comes back again, Peter? Yeah, I think he picked up a couple of injuries as well. And, and the sad thing for us this Thursday is uh, Glenn uh, Glenn's suspended for the first game, but he will play in the set or will be available to play in the second game against San Marino. So losing Glenn who's been a consistent performer for the under-21s. He is a guy who um, has got rapid pace, and I think he's one of the best finishers within the group that we have just now. He's a terrific finisher of the ball, uh, left-footed, strong, uh, really direct pace. And, you know, yes, he made an impact at Rangers last season, and I think it's one of these ones where he has to be patient because when you've got Ryan Kent and, and, and players and Brandon Barker and Jordan Jones who are more experienced, maybe perhaps the season it is, um, they feel that they have to go with uh, the, the, the slightly more experienced players, you know. So Glenn maybe has to be patient, or perhaps I don't know, um, maybe get out and load and play somewhere. But that's that's not my decision. It's something that he has to look at and speak to his manager about. But he's he's certainly a young boy who can burst back on it because he's certainly young enough to to come again, you know. He, because he's not in the first team just now at Rangers doesn't mean he sees career in any ways over. He's still got a lot to play for and a lot of first team football in him. You've had your time, Peter, in the, the firing line, and I use that phrase advisedly uh, when you were part of yes. the, the, Scotland, the Scotland senior yes. <laughs> um, ma- management team. How are you viewing that game? And I mean, we heard from uh, Stevie Clark earlier on in the show, and, well, he wouldn't be human if he wasn't feeling the pressure. Well, it's, it's every manager, and uh, you know, the, man- the pressure that managers have put under nowadays and scrutiny is severe, and, and having known worked with Craig, obviously, at the 18 level, um, the pressure on managers at international level is even greater, especially Scotland. You know, we're a small country. We haven't qualified for a number of years now, a long, long time, in fact. And every manager that's come in has tried to do the exact same thing as the one before him, and that's qualify for tournaments. Again, we haven't qualified since uh, the France World Cup. You know, so when we do sit, we, we do have an opportunity. Um, Stevie Clark is a very capable manager. He's a very capable person who's worked at the highest level in England with the top top coaches. You know, so it just means that we just sometimes need a wee bit of luck. We've got a very very tough game, I think, Friday against uh, sorry Thursday against um, Israel. But it's a game that we're more than capable of winning because the group of players I think are decent. And just hopefully we get a break here or there, a wee bit of luck here or there. Sometimes we need to take us into the, the next stages, you know. So, uh, fingers crossed, but Stevie is a capable manager and he's been, he's, he's working very hard to try and get a team that qualifies for a, a major event. Yeah, I mean, when Barry Ferguson in the studio last night um, talking, he was predicting 3-0 Scotland, he feels really positive. Just when he looks at the squad, and I think a lot of people are the same, Peter, um, when, you, when you look down that list of names, there, there is so much talent. It's just about, it's, it's the, it's the, it's an eternal conundrum, isn't it? It's pulling a, a, a list of talent players into a top team. Uh, yeah, and it's not that difficult. It's, it gets more and more difficult, I'm saying, because there's a lot of Scotland managers down the years and um, you don't always get your strongest team on the pitch due to maybe injuries or, or, or other things or suspensions. You know, it's, it's difficult to get them all together, the ones that you think could make a huge difference. Um, and 
something can happen the previous Saturday that makes them unavailable, you know. But one thing I do know, and, and we actually, uh, we have been in Edinburgh using the Leorium in the Hearts Training Centre, is the fact that we see Stevie working very hard with the, the A-team. They're very well organised. I know for a fact he's an organised coach. And, and, and the big thing for me is making sure that we don't give anything silly away that makes us have to chase, chase the game. You know, be try and get the team that's in the front foot, or be the team that's in the front foot, try and get the first goal, put the pressure on the Israelis. And, and like every other team, you know, any manager will tell you this, that is defend properly, defend, you know, as a team, defend as a group, work very hard. And I think we're more than capable of getting a result. You know, 3 nothing. I would love to see. Um, but if we get a 1-0 victory, I'll be more than happy. Peter, it's Simon Donnelly here. Hi, Simon. Hi, Peter. Uh, I've been listening... Uh, interestingly there to obviously you've talked us through a few of the defenders in your squad and we know your midfield is very strong and I think one or two of them might make the, the, the step up quite soon to the, the A team who, mm-hmm. who, who's who's the guys at the, the top end of the pitch for, for the under 21 just now who have you got for your options well, there well, the boy Fraser Hornby who recently went you know he was, a, he was an Everton striker when I ah. first joined up with the 21s and then he went loan to a Belgian side uh, Kortiak in Belgium and recently, in the past two or three months, Simon um, Stade Reims in France spent a lot of money on him right. as an, in a permanent deal. You know, so Fraser's a big lad. He's a more target type player. He holds it in really well. He's a really powerful shot. And um, if, if I'm, I'm going to look at him, I, I think he has to get a wee bit sharper round about the box and things like that. Yeah. Well, we have Glenn Middleton who can play as a as a main striker as well. We are a wee bit short of strikers. Conor McLennan, the Aberdeen has played in the role as a number 10 at times before. Yeah. You know, but we, we, we look for goals that even if Fraser, if he is our target man striker, it's, it's, people maybe running off him. Quite often, yeah. Turnbulls or Ferguson's getting yeah. shots off the edge. You know, that's, that's where we hope to create. Yeah. You know, if Middleton's playing the left side, he's got the pace to get past people and get it down and put, put balls in the box. And, and it's the same the other side. If whoever's playing the right-hand side is um, last against Lithuania, we played Nathan Patterson one-on from normal right-back position. And Nathan was tremendous. He gets down the side, he's got great pace. And it's all about maybe picking somebody out when the crosses come into the box and getting midfield players into the box as you mow yourself. And yeah. So that's that's where we are just now. We could do with one or two more young strikers coming through, but, you know, Billy starts got a game of the 19s down in, against England as well. Yeah. So you don't yeah. want to interrupt that side just now. But, you know, it's it's, it's making sure that we're organised because uh, the Czech Republic's were technically very good and very strong as well. But to go there and get nil nil, and with five minutes to go, with a great opportunity, with two or three great opportunities in the game, we should have won a game. Um, but uh, we missed the opportunities, and it's just about taking these opportunities. But yeah. for me, the big thing is making sure that we're organised at the back and, and being first and foremost difficult to beat, and we have the creative players that can get us maybe a goal and hopefully get the three points. Talking yeah. talking about being organised at the back, Peter. What's what's your answer to the eternal question that just won't go away for us, and we keep coming up with different permutations? Uh, how would you how do you fit uh, Tierney and Robertson into that that back line? <laughs> you know, they're two terrific players. You know, Kieran Tierney has it, always been a big favourite me since he broke through at Celtic. But Andy Robertson, what a progress that since Simon and Jackie took him to the United, he has come on leaps and bounds. You know, and terrific player, terrific at getting down to the the far corner of the box and putting tremendous crosses in, you know, so it's difficult. For me, I don't mind the fact that if, if, if Steve decides that he's going to play a back three to get the two of them fit in, you know, Tierney is playing that position for um, Arsenal and he's, he looks more than capable of doing that. 
Um, we need to get more balls wide in Andy's, Andy Robertson's area and make sure that when he's pulling that foot by, get people in the box. We need to get people in the box as well. But I'm sure that that's stuff that, that Stevie, I'm glad it's him to have to pick the team and not me. But, you know, it's all about making sure that we create chances, but um, do our defensive side right. Uh, try and get the ball in the wide areas to Andy Robertson. But then after that, we have to make sure that we'll get people in the box who are on the end of it or going to pick up the scraps that's maybe knocked down at the edge of the box to, to, to try and finish, you know. So, tough, tough game for the 18. Don't get me wrong. And Israel showed some good quality in, in the last match. But I also think that Scotland showed some good quality as well. And we have the home advantage. I wish the crowd were there. Um, yeah. We miss the crowds at football matches. It's a big, big thing. But we have to deal with it. And we have to go out there and try and win the match. And, and I'm sure that Steve will have them organised. And I do fancy our chances. Good man, good to hear that. Uh, good luck to Scotland on uh, Thursday, and good luck to you and Scott Gemmell, Peter, and the and the under twenty one squad uh, on Friday at Tynecastle against the Czech Republic. All the best. Good to hear from you. That is Peter Houston on the Go Radio Football Show. And uh, get involved. There's still time to give us a call on oh eight oh eight seventeen seventeen seven hundred. The Go Radio Football Show. That was Ali Defoy with Rob McLean and Simon Donnelly in the Go Radio Football Show studio. We've just been talking about that Scotland under-21 game with Peter Houston on Friday at Tynecastle. Scotland against the Czech Republic, followed by San Marino on the Tuesday. But of course, before that, the big one at Hamden on Thursday night is Scotland against Israel, uh, pitching for a spot in that playoff final, hopefully getting a step closer to a major finals. Let's talk next to Gary Naismith, the uh, former Hearts and Everton and Sheffield United and Huddersfield, quite a few more, uh, full-back. And, uh, <laughs> I, I, I ran out of memory there, to be honest, Gary. Uh, 46 Scotland caps as well. What a player he was, and I'm delighted to say that he joins us on the show right now. How are you, apart from uh, on the move in your car somewhere by the sounds of it? Yeah, I'm, I'm OK, thanks. Just got a... Football with the children, just chipping them yeah. here, there, and everywhere. So, <laughs> just doing my parent duties. Uh, excellent, that's real pressure. Um, the big, big night for Hearts, isn't it? It's a big season for Hearts, and it all starts uh, tonight for them with that League Cup tie, which isn't too far away now, Gary, uh, against Inverness. No, definitely. You know, I think Robbie will want to hit the ground running. He's made some really good signings. You know, especially Craig Gordon and Andy Hardy. I think that's two fantastic signings. Managed to keep hold of people like uh, Liam Boyce and Michael Smith. And uh, he'll want to go off to a good start tonight. But it's a difficult game for him, you know. Um, the the uh, We Robbo's always got Inverness well organised. And uh, it'll be a difficult game. But, you know, I do I do expect Hearts to win tonight. You know, I, my friend sent me through their um, squad numbers for the season. And it's some squad that they've got for the championship. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's almost like a Premiership squad in the Championship, isn't it? Yeah, it is, you know, but you've still got to go and deliver, you know, that's just on paper. These lads have still got to go out and do it, you know, and, and there was a few of them that, were, that are still there this season, that were there last season, that have got a few things to put right. So, you know, the pressure will be on Hearts right for the first game, you know, even though there's not fans inside the ground. When you're at a club as big as Hearts, the pressure's always there to deliver. So, you know, they, they want to go off to a good start tonight. 
Yeah, I'm just looking. You're, you're talking about squad numbers. I'm just looking at them now. So I'm looking at Craig Gordon, Michael Smith, uh, John Souter, who's sadly uh, recovering from injury again. We wish him all the best. Peter Haring is back. Christoph Berra, Jamie Walker, Ollie Lee, Liam Boyce. It goes on and on. Stephen Naismith, Andy Halliday, Ben Garuccio, Andy Irving, a really talented youngster, and Harry Cochran. Um, yeah, go, uh, Craig Halkett. I'm just getting down to the end, end of the numbers. Ewan Henderson. I mean, that's that's one hell of a squad going into the championship, isn't it? No, it isn't tonight. You know, I think they announced that they've brought in Stephen Kingsley, the left back, who's a, who's a good player, you know, went down to England. They've got an abundance of talent now in, in all positions. Um, and, it, and it's, you know... It, it would look to me trying to put pressure on Robbie, you know, that he'll be fully expected to win the championship with that squad. What did you make of the, the summer decision making process that, that relegated Hearts and and maybe for many people didn't take the sensible option of, of keeping the our bigger clubs in the bigger leagues uh, in these ridiculous of times? Yeah, I've seen it for all sides really, you know, I've seen it for trying to keep a club like Hearts in the league. I've also seen it, you know, they were bottom in the league. Um, so if a team wants to go down it, they deservedly should go down because they were bottom of the league so I could see it through all, through all angles really and obviously I was at the club at that time uh, I was acting last season as the loans manager for the younger players that were out on loan uh, so it was difficult um, and you know nobody really wants to see hats in it not in the top league but it is what it is now you know I think we've moved on to that uh, there's no you know, now there's no use crying over spilled milk as they say, we just need to get on with it. And hopefully, you know, it'll be uh Robbie's came in, there's a lot of you know, a lot of change on and off the pitch in terms of players and staff. And then, you know, all hearts fans, myself included, I'll just be hoping now that Robbie can get us back into the Premier League. Guys, Sid here. Hi, Sid, you okay, pal? Yeah, good, thanks. Yourself? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, mate. I'm just, uh, I'm just wanting to ask you a question. The guys in the studio put me under enormous pressure in the last week or so about this starting eleven for Scotland, and I can think. Are you, of looking, no, are you looking for? Are you trying to get some help? I can here? think of no nobody better than yourself. Obviously, <laughs> playing the position. Where do you see Robertson and Tierney fitting into this Scotland team on Thursday night? Yeah, I think uh, two options for me. If we're going to fit the two of them in, we either play three at the back, and as I just got the tail end of what you're speaking. Kusti uh, was speaking about that uh, Tierney plays left centre half where he's been playing a lot of games for Arsenal or he has to play it right back Tierney right. Um, for me in a game that we must win that's who we've got to go if we were going away from home against a, a, a team maybe ranked higher than us and we thought we were going to be up against it but it would maybe be a case of playing one of them in front of the other as a left back and as a left midfielder to, to be a little bit more defensively sound but for me um, it'll either have to be three at the back yeah. uh, with Kieran as left centre back and, uh, and Andy as the left wing back or Kieran playing at right back Did you did you ever play at right back? Did you ever get switched over there? I did and it was uncomfortable It was uncomfortable yeah. uh, how, how, was the right, how was the right peg Gary? <laughs> well, you know what? As good as my left we, uh, <laughs> I, actually, I actually ended up one game playing right midfield as well so, um, down at Everton, Archie put me at right midfield for some reason. I don't know why, but I was at right midfield. Um, but, uh, no, at the game that I had to play there for Everton at right back, we actually ended up with, we we had a, 
I think somebody got injured and made a shot at the player, so we actually ended up with four left footers uh, in the back. Four, I played right back. Alessandro Pistone played right centre-half. Dave Unzard played left centre-half. And Kevin Colban went to left midfield, back to left back. So, I think that there are not be many teams that had a back four or four left footers. left footers, eh? <laughs> Let's talk but about... No, but here, Kieran's not, he's done it, you know, he's shown that he can do it. Listen, it's not as natural going forward or... When the ball comes to you, your, his first instinct would be if he was playing on the right to take it back inside. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you're playing on your natural side, the ball comes to you. doesn't matter how hard it's fizzed across to you. You naturally just open your body up, put up the line, play a pass like that. That won't be as natural for him. So so, so going forward, the, the, your, your build-up play maybe be a little bit slower because Kieran will be concentrating more because it's not his natural foot. Yeah. Barry Ferguson in the in the studio last night was hitting reverse furiously because when I first threw the squad at him last week, he, he had a back five that had Kieran Tierney at right wing back. But I think by last night, he was reconsidering his position, uh, Barry <laughs> Ferguson, and, and thinking about maybe putting Ryan Fraser uh, in that in that right wing back position in the in the absence of, of, of James Forrest. Yeah, I'm, uh, it'll be interesting to see, you know, because that we haven't really got a, an out-and-out out class as a right wing back. Um, and even Andy Robertson, you know, I know it's just one position up, but I, I've done that, and, and there's a big difference between a left back to a left wing back. Normally, when you get the left back, the ball comes to you, but somebody's playing front of you, or a left midfielder goes in the path, affects the opposition right back, and it lets you have a lot of space, the overlap, and stuff like that. Whereas when you're playing wing back, the ball comes to you more times than not, you've got to go and try and beat the opposition player yourself. Uh, so it, it, it's a completely different position, although you're only one position further up on the pitch. Gary, here's breaking news for you ahead of the Hearts game tonight. Here's the Hearts team. We've, we've uh, gone through okay. most of the squad. Uh, so these are obviously, this is just 1 to, well, it's not 1 to 11, it's 1 to 30, 30 actually. But uh, these are, this is obviously not information, but these are the 11 starting against Inverness tonight for Hearts. Gordon, White, Walker, Lee, Naismith, Whiten, Irving, Brandon, Halkett, Popescu, and is it Ginelli? Yes. Ginelli. So that that's the so that's the starting eleven tonight. But the two there for are uh, interesting is Ollie Lee, obviously Robbie's gone back, he was down south at Jimenon last season, played I think he was forty or forty odd games for Jimenon last season, done well. Um, so Robbie's obviously that's obviously somebody that Robbie fancies and he's brought him back, he's put him straight in his first game. And the other one and I seen Robbie speaking about it was Craig White and now I don't know what happened with Craig in, the, in, in his first spell at the club, but obviously he went out on loan last season to Arbrook, and obviously I went and watched him three or four games, and I can tell you that every game I watched him for Arbrook, Craig Whiting was man of the match. He was outstanding in every game. His work ethic, he, he, he's touch on the ball, he scored goals. Um, so that's interesting and well that Robbie's put him straight into, into the starting yeah. team in his first game. I'm interested to hear what you think about Aaron Hickey and that move to Bologna. I think the best part of £1.8 million was the deal. He's 18. Um, yeah, he, 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 didn't, you know, he didn't play that much in the great scheme of things with Hearts, but obviously a player of, of massive potential. You'll know a hell of a lot more about him than I do. Uh, what, what do you think are the prospects uh, for Aaron Hickey in Italian football, Gary? No, well, it's, uh, he has a fantastic talent. You know, he's a... Uh, he is naturally both footed. You, you see him striking a ball with right foot. It's nearly as good as his left foot. Um, so that's in his favour. 
Um, I, I, my own opinion would, was that if, it, if he didn't move this year, I don't think that would have been a bad thing for him to stay at Hearts and play another season. However, we, I think his contract was running down. Hearts got a good offer. The lad wanted to go. So adding all of that up, you know, I think it's, a, it's got to be a fantastic experience for him. Um, he had to obviously wait a little bit to make his debut, I think, with the, with the, the quarantine and stuff like that. But he played ever so well. I watched highlights of his debut and he played really, really well. I think he lasted 70 or 80 minutes. Probably got through a bit on adrenaline. And then he started another the other game just there where they lost 1-0. And I've seen that he started and came off again. So, you know, he started really well. It's got to be a massive learning curve from him. But only in a good way. I think he'll learn a lot of good habits playing abroad. Um, I really look after himself on and off the pitch. And I've no doubt one day he's going to come back to a, to a big, big team in, in, in Scotland or England. The fans obviously seem delighted with him, a standing ovation in his first game. Gary, that's pretty impressive. It is, it is. And, uh, and that's great for him because it'll be a big thing for him. You know, I think I read that his dad moved over him just at the start to help him try and get settled. You know, you imagine young boy going over there um, on your own, can't really speak the language because of the restrictions with the, with the COVID and stuff, not really being able to live a, a normal life. It must be, it must be a, a daunting experience for him, but his release, I'd imagine, will be on the training pitch and on the football pitch, and it's brilliant for him that he's hit the ground running and got, got the, the, the Bologna public fans on his side straight away. Shows a great strength of character, doesn't it, yeah. to be able to do that? Really, yeah, really. He's done that in the pitch, though, though. He's done that in the pitch. He made a couple of mistakes last season in games, and then when a young boy, you make a mistake. I was there myself, you've done it, it affects you a little bit, it knocks you. It didn't seem to knock him, you know, in the same game that he made a mistake, he would still come on in the second half and be like, maybe made a mistake in the first half, and then in the second half, he was still, still like maybe one of Hart's best players, which showed that he had a bit of, a bit of mental toughness, if you want. And, and, and I think. Going abroad at such an early age shows that he's got a bit of mental strength about himself as well. So, no, it'll be interesting for him to how, he, how his career proceeds. And, and you just think about him, you know, we're all expecting him to be a, in a couple of years, if that, a future Scotland international, yeah. but yeah. he's. He's got some two players to try and get in front of. <laughs> it's a pretty lengthy queue, isn't it, for that left back? But unlike you, Gary, he can probably shunt across the right back. I was about to say, with that, the right foot that you've described, he might find himself playing on that <laughs> right hand side. I mean, that well, definitely, yeah. he could, you know, and um, and and, I, and he played there for Hearts, and and he and he done fine, you know, for such a, a player at such a young age. He was excellent when he played on the other side. So that is a position that you may find that he'll fall for Scotland in the years to come. Yeah. Yep. So finally, before you go, Gary, prediction for Thursday night? I think it'll be close. I expect Scotland to win, but I honestly think it may just be by, uh, by one goal, you know, and obviously that'll be enough. But I think Israel showed uh, in the last game, although I think we could have been a little bit better in an attacking sense in the last game against Israel, I think Israel showed enough that you've got to give them a certain level of respect because there are two or three players that played really well and I think if we're not truly at it, you know, we're going to come unstuck. But I think the lads will realise how big a game the first game is especially. Um, and I think if we get a positive result in that, that will only help us with the next two games that are coming up. But I expect us to, 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 to win, to qualify for the final. But it wouldn't surprise me if it was just by one goal. 
Gary, good to hear from you and uh, hope you get back involved uh, in football soon uh, because it sounds like you can't really cope with the pressure of being taxi driver for the kids. <laughs> well, I'm just a wee bit guide because I thought I was quite a loyal person at all my clubs. You know, I was at Hearts for four years in Everton for seven years and then you just rattled off made it sound as though like I was a bit of a mercenary. <laughs> <laughs> I never uttered... Listen, you're getting a little bit defensive there. <laughs> don't worry, we don't just, listen to Rob, it's fine. I was, I was, I was four years at East Fife as well. There was only really I ever been that only got one year. I know. Okay. The super loyal Gary Naismith. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the one club man, uh, one club at a time, Gary Naismith. <laughs> good, good to hear from you, Gary. All the best, guys. Gary. On the Go Radio yeah, Football yeah. Show. The Go Radio Football Show. It's the best of football chat night after night on Glasgow's own Go Radio, the football show Monday to Friday, 5 till 7. We've just heard from former uh, Scotland fullback and uh, one club at a time man, Gary Naismith. <laughs> Earlier, uh, Peter Houston uh, talking about Scotland's under-21s and, of course, that big game for the senior side Thursday night at Hamden. Earlier on, uh, Jimmy Nicholl we heard from as well. And uh, that will all be wrapped together in the podcast and available to you shortly, a podcast uh, which has gone through the Hundred thousand downloads. Yes, it has. And all we Sorry, need. I got a bit excited. All we need is some recorded <laughs> cheating and applause in the background. But Woo-hoo! we're we're uh, working on that, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit more now about that Scotland Israel game and hear from a couple of uh, key players in the squad. Only time will tell whether they start or not. One of them is the uh, much maligned Ollie McBurney. Is he going to start up front alongside uh, Lyndon Dykes? We'll wait and see for the team selection. Um, all sorts being uh, flung at him, of course, when the last squad was named because he pulled out with injury then he played for Sheffield United on his way back from injury much was said at the time about that especially by him when he appeared on the show uh, to tell us how much playing for Scotland means to him and at today's media conference he was underlining that feeling for me it's the pinnacle of football is is international football I've always said it and from under 19s 21s all the way up it's always a proud one when I get to come away and represent Scotland and not just but for me but for my family as well you know I think I still to this day I think that my my debut against Costa Rica is the proudest day of my dad's my dad's life to be fair I remember interviewing Ollie McBurney when he was at Swansea um, and talking to him about playing Scotland. He was he was just uh, so keen to nail down that number nine if he possibly could. And uh, his passion really blew me away at the time uh, about about pulling on that blue shirt. And, and there you hear it from him. And um, for, for any of the, the doubters uh, who wondered uh, about him turning out for Sheffield United on his way back from injury and not for Scotland, I mean, he, he comes up with the answer side. Simon, doesn't he? Yeah, I think that was uh, circumstantial, you know, the situation that he found himself in. I think just coming back from injury and maybe not at full gear, you know, to, to, to join up with the Scotland squad. But I don't think there's any doubt in the, in the boys, you know, uh, commitment to the Scottish cause. You know, his family are Scottish. And you only have to look back to like to Stuart McCall, you know, a wonderful servant for Scotland, you know, and you listen to his accent and there was nobody <laughs> prouder to play for Scotland so I don't think you can question Ollie McBurney's commitment to, to Scotland He's playing at a good level yeah. and uh, so many other players in the squad you could say the same thing for I mean lots of uh, lots of star players playing at uh, big clubs in Scotland but in England too uh, as Ollie McBurney's been saying 
Of course, yeah, it can only be positive, you know, the, the, the higher the boys are playing um, week in, week out, it's, it's only a good thing for the national team, like you say, and you know, that we already know the quality that's in this national team anyway, so that doesn't need to be spoke about too much, but like you say, the higher that we're all playing at, it, it only beads well for, for the rest of the team. I'm just looking at the squad here. I mean, you've got Liam Cooper at uh, Leeds United. You've got Scott McKenna at Nottingham Forest who may or may not be fit uh, for this game having not been fit for his club at the weekend. Uh, Liam Palmer at your old club Sheffield Wednesday. Andy Robertson, of course, playing at the highest of levels despite their freak result. Uh, Liverpool at the weekend. Kieran Tierney is at Arsenal. Stuart Armstrong, Southampton. John Fleck is at Sheffield United with Ollie McBurney. So the two of them have been playing at an amazing level. Ryan Fraser is just getting going again, having signed for Newcastle United. John McGinn starting for Aston Villa, uh, very much part of that uh, 7-2 win against Liverpool at the weekend. Kenny McLean, not long relegated with, with Norwich City, but playing again at a really high level. Scott McTominay of Manchester United. Ollie Burke is another of that uh, Sheffield United contingent. Lyndon Dykes uh, playing for a big club in Queen's Park Rangers. Um, Callum Patterson, of course, has just moved on. It goes on and on when you go through that squad, Simon. Yeah, and I've, I've said it before, Rob, the, the, the squad is good enough uh, to go and qualify. We've got the players of that I don't have any doubt and I've, I've said that for a couple of seasons now uh, we've got good players playing at good levels uh, it's just about getting that right 11 and getting I feel we're, we're one good result away from you know really kicking on I know if we if we do get through Thursday it could be a whole new ball game against possibly Norway but it would give us the confidence to kick on and I just I just hope we get that one performance where everybody clicks no doubt about the magnitude of the game. None of the Scotland players are in any doubt about that. And a spokesman for them here is Kenny McLean. We knew how big this game was going to be and it's always been in the back of our minds, even you know, previously playing other games. This has always been the one that everybody's looked at. We've never looked too far ahead of ourselves, but this has always been there for us for a long time now. Um, you know, Everybody's looking forward to it. It's obviously a massive game for the country and it's... It's something we're all looking forward to and it's, it's come around now, so it's now's the time we need to go and perform. And I think, uh, I hear what you're saying, Simon, very much, that, that feeling of what Scotland need is just a little kickstart and then maybe uh, we're, we're on to a whole new, different philosophy about the Scotland team. Because at the moment, um, I, well, speaking for myself, I worry. It, it worries me, Scotland. Um, I'm, I'm panicking about this game on, on Thursday night and that's just what we've become um, through years of, of failure to qualify for the big tournaments. Yeah, it's, it's happened over and over again. You know, there's been a couple of times we've got close. You know, you, you think back to like Italy at Hamden and, and things like that. But we have came close. Came up against some really good teams in playoffs. Uh, but Israel are beatable. I know Gaz said there in the, in the last call, you know, we have, to do, we have to show them a lot of respect on the back of the last game. They show they're more than capable of, of hurting Scotland. But... I think this will be a better Scotland team. I think, as I said, we're three, four weeks down. They, the guys have got a lot of domestic games under their belt. I think they'll be fitter, sharper, uh, more game-related stuff. So I, I feel a performance coming on on Thursday and I hope that kick-starts us into the next one because although we've got the other two uh, games next week, then the, the, the Norway one would be a real test, I think. Of course, preparation uh, for an international is always a, a big talking point, mainly because there, there isn't enough of it. But Scotland uh, can't be making that an excuse, says Kenny. 
Of course the manager would want longer with us, but we were together just a few weeks ago. You know, we worked on a lot of things. You know, the manager tries to get as much across as, as he can in the short space of time that he's with us, and we need to take as much on board as we can and you know, try and gel as much as we can as a team. You know, we're always getting better as a, as a squad as we get to know each other better and you know, continue to improve and hopefully we can you know, things can click and come together for us this this camp. As I say, we'll get a lot of big games. And it's so important to have the accent on the positive as well, isn't it? It is. Of course it is. Uh, we're 90 minutes away from 90 minutes of a, of a finals, <laughs> if you yeah. want to look at it that way. You know, it's we, we go and, and beat Israel, we're, we're one game away from finals from, what, 22 years? So it's, yeah. it's, it's exciting times and you just want the boys to go and take that chance, take it by the scuff of the neck, perform the way they can perform and, and, and get us through. It's 22 years and counting. 22. Let's let's hope we're not counting for, for too much longer. Uh, let's hear from uh, Stephen Reid now because obviously uh, this match will be played to a finish. There, there are no such things at the moment as, as two-leg games. So it's all played to a finish. That It could mean penalties. So Scotland uh, have to be uh, ready for all eventualities. Stephen Reid, of course, is part of Stevie Clark's backup coaching team. It's a possibility that, that could happen and I think we've got to prepare as such. I think we've got to do our... You know what we what we need to do in case that is a scenario, but we'd be well prepared for all for all scenarios. That's for sure. It's just all about professionalism, isn't it? And and you have to take everything into account, every fine detail. It's about fine margins, isn't it? It is. But if you're panicking over <laughs> Thursday in general, what are you going to be like? Oh, <laughs> the penalties. I know. Well, I know. He uh, didn't seem to be panicking at all. He seemed happy as Larry there. Yeah. No, I think Simon's talking about me. All right. Hi, <laughs> hi Rob. Uh, I, I was thinking about Reed. <laughs> I just, uh, I don't think it will go that far. I don't think it will go that far. I think, I think we'll get a result on the, the 90 minutes. Okay, there's just some uh, breaking news uh, coming to us here. I'm just trying to dig it up on the on the news wires here. Well, uh, while you about... do that, do you want me to let everyone know the phone number? Yeah, why don't we? Oh, wait, wait, yeah. 17, 17, 700. We're a few minutes away from the end of tonight's show, but you might want to ro- jot it down. It's the same number every night, 5 to 7pm. We're here weekdays. It's going to be exciting. Um, big night tomorrow night as well. Uh, we've got Darren Jackson joining us on the show and we'll have Chris Ebulomo at the start of the night as well. Talking, he's quite positive actually. I was chatting to him earlier on the phone today. He's coming up, he's going to be doing sports scene over the weekend. But Chris. yeah, he's very positive about the Scotland side. Well, here's some news we could do without. Uh, Dun- oh, Dundee oh. have been awarded a 3 0 win <gasps> after a forfeit. Uh, forfeited their League Cup tie. Oh, no. uh, that's just that's just happening in the in the last while following a positive COVID nineteen test by a player. The League One side unable to fulfil a fixture as it is yet to be established whether any further squad members will have to self isolate. Uh, Forfer are the second club after Kilmarnock to forfeit their opening game in this League Cup. The SPFL says this is further evidence of the very challenging season we're facing. There's an understatement. Uh, Dundee manager James McPaik uh, applauded the SPFL and said it was the right decision. Lower league clubs are only required to test in the days prior to games against Premiership sides, as you know, Simon, of course, with a game coming up for your breaking um, tomorrow night. But that's all really disappointing, isn't it? It is, and I think, I just think it's going to happen again and again this season. I don't see it not continuing this way at the moment. Uh, it's going to turn it, like the common cold, isn't it? Yeah, it's a real shame. We, we, we actually played for far last Tuesday night uh, at Forfa. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, it's just a sign of the times and uh, real, real disappointing. 
Former Vice Chairman Alistair Donald uh, has just said since it came about at around four o'clock this afternoon, all hell is let loose. Uh, you've got to get everyone involved who needs to be and do the right thing. Well, sorry to end the show on a, a downer, but it's just the, the grim reality at the moment. Um, hope you've enjoyed the show, though. Another two hours of football chat on the Go Radio Football Show. And we're back tomorrow between five and seven. The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go.